Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beauty O Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 829 thought we'd start out with a little report on bird sightings uh, right in our Talking Birds garden, right behind our flagship radio station here in Massachusetts. And some of the birds that we saw this morning, including an eastern bluebird perched on a feeder pole out there, and an eastern Phoebe that we saw zipping around near the overhang of a small building where Phoebes have nested several years in a row, hoping they'll be back again this year. We had a black-capped chickadee scouting out nest holes, a tree swallow examining one of the nest boxes that housed a tree swallow nest last year. We had a female northern cardinal gathering nesting material, a tufted titmouse and a house finch singing high in a tree, and a common raven calling from way up on the broadcast tower. That's what we're seeing in our backyard right now. And now part two of some spring sightings from our friend Al Bat. His avian observations in his backyard up in Heartland, Minnesota. Al says brown-headed cowbirds joined the melee on the ground below the feeders. A female cowbird was taking a break in a lilac when two male house sparrows attacked her. She fought back and the battle was prolonged. Had her parasitizing reputation preceded her? Was it over a prime perching position? Or was it merely orneriness? Interesting behavior, no matter the cause. Dark-eyed juncos made the sounds of ray guns. The snow must go. The juncos must too. A male and female cardinal kissed on a lilac branch. He offered her a sunflower seed and their bills touched. In what I found to be a heartwarming moment. It's known as mate feeding and is a sign of courtship. I gave my wife a chunky candy bar (laughs) when courting her. (laughs) Crows walked bandy-legged over the lawn, searching winter's detritus for food. A male northern harrier, formerly called Marsh Hawk, was a gray glider swooping low over a field. Glorious. Part two there of some spring sightings from our friend Al Bat up in Heartland, Minnesota. Check out more at Al Bat. Dot com. That's bat with two T's. That is our mystery bird. And this is a preview of our mystery bird contest. Coming along a little bit later in the show, our mystery bird contest is presented by Red Start Birding. Red Start Birding is your new resource for birding optics, gear, and expertise. Great birding starts at redstartbirding.com. Our mystery bird can be found year-round through the southeast quadrant of the U.S. pretty much. 
and north through parts of New England in the east and Montana out west in the spring and summer. Its crown, forehead, throat, and nape are red. Its tail is black, its underparts are white, and its rump and wings are black and white. Our bird hunts from low perches and flies down to the ground to feed on insects and spiders. also eats seeds and nuts and berries. That's some stuff about our mystery bird. The contest coming along a little bit later in the show. We'll be giving away a Droll Yankees New Generation Metal Finch Sock with a beautiful yellow top and base. And its design has been proven to attract double the number of birds that can be hung or pole-mounted. And we have a brand new bonus prize today. It's a two-pack of window alert window decals to keep birds from crashing into your windows. These are beautiful decals, and they really can prevent injuries to birds. Bonus prize on our mystery bird conserva- on a mystery bird contest uh, coming up. Conservation good news of the week: the U.S. is pledging to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030 as part of its new commitment to the Paris Climate Agreement. President Biden made the pledge called the Nationally Determined Contribution at a virtual climate summit attended by dozens of world leaders on Thursday. Cutting emissions in half globally by 2030 is seen as necessary if the world is to meet UN goals to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Some good conservation news there in the form of that U.S. pledge. And now, a royal salute to more Talking Birds ambassadors. These are wonderful Talking Birds listeners who've uh, volunteered to help us spread the word about our show and about birds and conservation. And thank you to Julie Lynch from Holbrook, New York. Thank you so much, Julie. And thank you to Fernando C. from South Burlington, Vermont. He says, I've been listening to the podcast and your radio show for several years. I'm happy to participate in spreading the word about the show and birding in general. And he adds, love the idea of picking up trash while birding. We love that idea, too. We call it plurting, and we're going to talk more about it again very soon here on Talking Birds. So, Talking Birds listeners, would you join our ambassadors family? It's really easy to do. Just go to TalkingBirds.com, no G in Talking, and click on the Get Involved tab at the top of the page. Easy to do and easy to sign up for. Still to come on our show today, Mr. Finch himself, Matt Young from the Finch Research Network, will be with us with a wrap-up of the extraordinary winter Finch season we've just experienced. In addition, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor for a Let's Ask Mike segment from the archive about orchards, bullocks, and Baltimore's. Orioles, that is. And up next, a bird from the southwest showing up in the northeast is today's featured feathered friend, Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. There's a lot of buzz this week in our Talking Birds home state of Massachusetts about numerous sightings of a visitor from the southwest, Petrochelodon fulva, better known as the cave swallow. It's a small swallow with blue-black upper parts, a light rust-colored breast, a chestnut-brown forehead and rump, and a squared tail. 
It maybe shouldn't be such a big surprise that this bird is visiting the Boston area because since the 1990s, Cape Swallows have been spotted well up into Nova Scotia and Newfoundland on numerous occasions, although mostly in the fall when low-pressure systems push them northeastward. The best place to see cave swallows may be the Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico, where they nest inside the main cavern, making it easy to watch them flying in and out. They're often seen with other swallow species, and that chestnut rump patch is a good way to pick them out in the crowd. Cave swallows are usually seen in loose flocks, feeding on the wing at heights up to 350 feet, consuming many kinds of flying insects. And they drink on the wing, too, with their bills skimming the surface of the water. The cave swallow, Petrochelodon fulva. Today's Talkin' Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show, number 829. Don't forget that website. We, uh, we like it, and we hope you'll take it a... Take a, take a look at it there. It's TalkinBirds.com. Well, this past winter was a tough one for reasons that are probably too obvious to mention, but it was also a spectacular one in at least one regard. It was a winter of what's been called a super flight, in which just about every species of boreal forest finch way up north headed south looking for food. Now that we're in the middle of spring, it seemed like a good time to get a wrap-up of that finch phenomenon. And who better to tell us about it than the founder of the Finch Research Network, Matt Young, who joins us right now from just east of Ithaca, New York. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Ray. Glad to. Thanks for having me on again today. It's great to uh, great to have you back. We had you on uh, some time ago when you were a collections manager of the Cornell Labs Macaulay Library. You were 15 years, I guess, at Cornell Lab. Yeah. 15 years across two different stints, yeah. All right, and now you are the Finch Research Network founders. And I want to ask you about the, the that net network that you call FERN. I guess that's the, the acronym no, that's the, there. That's the acronym. All right. But uh, first, uh, what can you tell us, Matt, about the reasons for this past winter's Finch explosion? Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, it's just these things kind of lay, it's a timeline that lays out, starts to lay this groundwork in advance of obviously the the eruption itself into the state so you know you really got to go back to the last few years or at least to the summer of 2019 when you had two different things two different events kind of came together you had a generational cone crop on most of the coniferous trees in the eastern boreal so when i say generational it was a fabulous cone crop on spruces like a once in a generation once every 20 year kind of event and there's been going the last several years there's been this ongoing building spruce budworm outbreak so those two things have led to an abundance of food for boreal breeders boreal finches which a lot of people don't realize uh, some of the finches are specialized for feeding on spruce budworm Um, a lot of people associate warblers like bay breasted and you know, uh, Tennessee, um, Cape May warbler in particular as spruce budworm specialists. But evening grosbeak, purple finches, and even pine siskins will will eat the budworm, you know, feed on the budworm, feed their young, and they'll be able to put out an abundance of, of you know, a, a good, uh, 
you know, group of babies every single year. In fact, evening grosbeaks have declined 90% since 1970. And some of this is potentially tied into we're in a period of a lull in spruce budworm. Now, the, the cone crops obviously supply seed for other finches like crossbills and stuff like that. So you had a high reproductive success, building population numbers, and then a crash in the food when winter came. And all these birds flooded out of the boreal forest, uh, the eight species, into the eastern part of the United States. Mm-hmm. To the point we had evening grosbeaks, peaks, pine siskins, and purple finches in Florida. Yeah, and so, I think uh, one, at least one pine siskin made it to Bermuda. Am I right? I think I read that. Yes, so. <laughs> there were pine siskin in Bermuda. There was a red-breasted nuthatch in Bermuda. Um, yeah, it was a spectacular year. I mean, I think it was the first time evening grosbeaks made it to Florida since the 80s, mm-hmm. I believe. So, so this was really... Pretty, pretty amazing, right? Yeah, this is really a feast and famine kind of thing then, isn't it, that really created it this? It is. I mean, there's a bi- there often has been a biennial pattern to at least some kind of finch flight. But, you know, having the, the, the two events, the budworm and the cone crop, led to all of them flying. And that doesn't... That's like a once every 10, 20 year kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, this this event was probably the best one since 97, 98. It was one in 2012, 2013. And I think this was a little bit better than that one. Mm-hmm. So pretty phenomenal flight. It was exciting. I think it was something I think, uh, you know, I mean, the downside somewhat of all of this is obviously they were facing their own crisis in some ways, like we mm-hmm. had with COVID. So mm-hmm. it was kind of an intersection of, you know, crises that kind of, uh, I think, uh, it's kind of interesting that humans, uh, we all kind of latched on to getting outside and observing nature and stuff like that. So the event kind of helped us all get out and observe birds or even more. And the Finch event certainly helped many of us through a relatively tough winter. Yeah, there's 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 an upside anyway to the to the to the whole thing. For Always sure. a silver lining. <laughs> well, Matt, you founded the Finch Research Network in September of 2020. Uh, tell us why you why you founded it. What the what the what the goals are? Yeah, I mean it was you know it was just been kind of in the works for several years. Um, there's a few of us have been talking about it, and uh, you know we wanted to. There was people already starting to do some research on Red Crossbill, which was the flagship project for the Finch Research Network. You know, and then we kind of just said, you know, I I, I kind of came to the realization if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? So mm-hmm. there was a kind of a buildup of people that said let's do this and we decided to launch it with the actual launching of this past year's uh, Finch forecast that comes out every fall mm-hmm. Tyler Orr now does it Ron Pittaway used to do it right. and so we launched it simultaneously with that and Tyler is actually on the board of directors of the Finch Research Network so we hope to get a little bit better maybe even a predictive quality of, of these events these Finch events um, so yeah, it was just a got a lot of just buildup of information and interest and enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Could not, you know, the birds could not have worked better for me this year. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> but know? the the so, main the main goal there is your conservation of finches, right around around the yeah, world. Yeah, conservation of finches mm-hmm. and research certainly. Mm-hmm. So we have a um, one of the big projects we're now kind of collaborating with. Uh, Pennsylvania Natural Heritage Program and Western Pennsylvania Land Conservancy and uh, Powder Mill Avian Research Network on a evening gross beak transmitter program. So 
project where they're putting transmitters they're trying to get a better idea on wintering range and movements of evening gross beaks because of that decline mm-hmm. you know 90 yeah. percent decline since uh, 1970 there are species that have been listed by canon as a special concern species mm-hmm. because of the steep declines so we're really excited to be collaborating on these projects um, and we have more of these into the future i mean i'm i just was asked i just sat in on the first uh, Rosie Finch working group team. Hmm. So that'll be also a, the focal species for fern will be Red Cross Bill, Evening Grosbeak, and Rosie Finches in the West because they're a climate, climate change issue because you can only breed so far up a mountain until mm-hmm. you're kind of, you know, y- you'll run out of territory. Exactly. So yeah, it's uh, conservation certainly a big, big issue. You put an emphasis and you mentioned the word, uh, Collaborative or collaboration a little while ago, uh, Matt, you put a big emphasis on the Finch Research Network being a collaborative one. How would you like folks to get involved? Yeah, we want everybody, you know, think of this as something they can be involved in. And whether it's just citizen science and putting in reports or whether you want to make recordings of crossbills or evening gross peaks or whether you're an artist. We want artists mm-hmm. to, you know, if you know. Ornithology is the one science that really has had this very intricate relationship between artists and science. Mm-hmm. And we want artists to be part of this. You know, if there's illustrations that we can help promote people's art that involve with finches um, and make it kind of a collaborative project, we're all for that. But we want everybody to be enthusiastic about finches and put in your reports. And, you know, anybody can be part of this network, mm-hmm. whether it's research, citizen science, artwork. You know, even education. We're trying mm-hmm. to start an educational branch of this hmm. organization as well. I'd love to have a bunch of, you know, young, you know, fern people that are students that are willing to look at some Finch questions, even if it's just simple local stuff. Mm-hmm. Matt Young is the founder of Fern, the Finch Research Network. Check it out at finchnetwork.org. That's finchnetwork.org. Matt, thank you so much, and uh, please keep us uh, up to speed on your work. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ray. It's always a pleasure talking to you. I look forward to doing it again with you next year, hopefully. Indeed. Matt Young here on Talking Birds, and up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. We're listening to some calls and some sounds presented 
performed by our mystery bird. This is our mystery bird contest. And let me give the phone number here right away so we can encourage you to call as soon as possible. So we'll have actually time for our mystery bird contest. The number is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. And uh, don't forget, if no correct answer is received, you could still be a winner of our beautiful prizes by way of a drawing from among all the nearly correct answers received. Our mystery bird can be found year-round through the southeast quadrant of the U.S. and north through parts of New England in the east and Montana out west in the spring and summer. Descriptively, its crown, forehead, throat, and nape are red. Its tail is black. Its underparts are white. Its rump and wings are black and white. Our bird hunts from low perches and flies down to the ground to feed on insects and spiders. It also eats seeds and nuts and berries. What is our mystery bird? Beautiful prizes include the Droll Yankees' new generation metal finch sock with a beautiful yellow top and base. It offers the attraction of a finch sock with the durability of metal. It can be hung or pole-mounted. From Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders. And our new bonus prize today, a two-pack of window alert window decals to keep birds from crashing into your windows. These are beautiful decals, and they really can prevent injuries to birds. And that's kind of a big deal because we lose a lot of birds, of course, through window crashes. That's our Mystery Bird Contest uh, introduction. The number is 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we'll check in with Mike O'Connor, almost live from the archive. It's Let's Ask Mike in just one minute. Beautyo Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all, along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for, in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. My name is Carrie Nelson, and I'm calling from Murraysville, PA. I encourage everyone to become a Talking Birds ambassador because you're already listening to this show. So you already have the interest involved. So what's stopping you from going out and sharing that interest with everybody that you meet? Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassadors family. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Down to Cape Cod and the Birdwatchers General Store. Uh, Route 6A in Orleans, where Mike O'Connor is holding forth. And good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Greg. Good to hear your voice, kid. Good to hear yours as well. And uh, you may have heard that voice saying that uh, it's bird feeding springtime and the birds are coming up here uh, from the tropics. We wanted to ask you if that's really true and if orioles might be among those uh, birds. Yeah, a lot of orioles are coming up yeah. now. And, and, and good for you for giving a plug for the shade-grown coffee because orioles are truly one of the birds that benefit from keeping the canopy intact because that's where they spend their, their winter in the mm-hmm. tropics and they're on, on their way up here now. Some some of your listeners in the southern states probably already have them. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're due to get them this week because we're finally going to get some warm weather and they're going to come up, come up mm-hmm. to see us. And we get the, the Baltimore Orioles... Uh, and we got the Orchard Orioles, and I think the Western, your Western, Western visitors got the Bullock's Orioles as well. 
And they're one of the birds that's kind of fun to, to attract to our yards. And it's, you know, we've gone through a long, boring winter, and now we'd like to see some color. And the Orioles will provide that for us for sure. Like in the old days, we'd all put out oranges for the Orioles, and they they would come. And then they discovered they'd go to the hummingbird feeders as well. So they adapted kind of a bigger sugar water feeder for the Orioles to, to drink for that. And it's kind of the same solution that you would use for the hummingbird feeders. And then more recently, people discovered grape jelly was a good alternative. So you've got three choices. You could use sugar water, you could do oranges cut in half, and you could also use uh, grape jelly. But use grape jelly in small dishes, not big dishes, because you don't want to get the sticky jelly on the birds because that's, that's, that's kind of tough for them. And more importantly, do this now because by the time June rolls around, they're going to the birds will focus on raising their young. They'll be eating insects, and they're probably going to ignore most of what we put out for them. And then after the breeding season, they're likely to return. So you really don't don't need to give up on it, but you will have a lag time. So do it do it now. And the other thing is. If you have any yarn in your house or kite string or any string at all, cut it into a short, maybe 12-inch pieces. Put those out on the bushes because when the females arrive, they'll use those to uh, build a nest with. And it's kind of fun. They'll come down. Don't make them real long because the birds likely to tangle them up. Mm. And so just use short pieces, maybe 12, 14 inches, and put those out. Yarn, the color is kind of irrelevant, or, or kite string. And caution, here's a little caution, though. A lot of people have tarps they have in their yards over their bikes or, or whatever, and that those blue-green plastic tarps, they, they kind of get uh, frayed at the end, and the Orioles will use those sometimes to build their nests. But try to discourage that because because of the fiber, they're slippery, and the nests tend to fall apart. So even after the birds have all built these wonderful nests, they start to fall apart, and they kind of lose their nesting season. So stick with more yarn and string and jelly and oranges, and you'll have a colorful series of birds. Oh, I have some kite string, and I don't have a kite, so I'm all set with that. <laughs> Perfect combination. Thank you, Mike. Talk to you okay, next week. Okay, talk next week. Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley, tips and stories about bird photography, access to quarterly e-workshops on identifying and photographing birds, and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Birdwatching Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com slash memberships. Hey, we're back uh, here to the Mystery Bird Contest. This is our bird. Uh, what is it? 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And uh, this is pretty exciting because I think this is our first ever call on the Mystery Bird Contest from Mexico. And Terry is there in Cancun. Good morning, Terry. Good morning. How are you doing? Nice uh, to talk to you, Ray. Nice to talk to you as well, and if you don't mind mentioning, if I'm correct, you are one of our relatively new Talking Birds ambassadors. That's right. I'm very proud to be one. Thank you. Well, thank you. That is so wonderful. So our mystery bird, Terry, you heard the sound and the clues and all that. What uh, What do you think? I'm going to say the red-headed woodpecker, but I don't think I've seen one. That, that's okay. red-headed woodpecker? Even if you haven't seen one, you can still guess that that is the one, and you are absolutely uh, correct. Yes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> nice going. Red-headed woodpecker. It is a spectacular bird. We haven't seen that many of them around our way either. They've kind of declined in the New England area, but we're hoping they'll make uh, a comeback. We can always uh, hope. Well, let me just ask you too, uh, Terry, while you're on the line, how has uh, your ambassadorship been uh, working out there in Cancun? I went to 
actually pretty good. I had some friends in, in Yucatan who um, I think are interested, and I've mentioned it to my siblings, and we're all a little bit uh, bird, bird watchers because of our parents. We, we always meant to, to watch the birds. All right. Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you for that, Terry, and uh, thanks for calling in, and um, congratulations. And if you'll stand by in the line, uh, we'll turn you back to Jesse, and he will take care of those beautiful prizes. Thank you. Look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you so much, Terry, down in Cancun, Mexico, and correctly identifying the red-headed woodpecker as our mystery bird. And guess what? We are just about out of time for this morning's show. Just a reminder to take a look at our Talking Birds flock. It's where listeners gather and talk about birds and send pictures and videos and all that stuff. You can find it at Facebook. Just go to Facebook.com and then search for Talking Birds flock. Next week, we'll celebrate International Dawn Chorus Day, marking the worldwide celebration of nature's greatest symphony. Right on next week's show. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team. Debbie Bleacher, Frey McGregor, our assistant Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. And by Ocean State Bird Club. Springtime is every birder's favorite time of year. Join Ocean State Bird Club for new online talks and weekly virtual hangouts. And enjoy our quarterly newsletter with stories and photos about birds and birding. OceanStateBirdClub.org and on Facebook, Ocean State Bird Club.